We, uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer. I want to acknowledge the folks that are uh, joining us on Facebook today, too, because uh, we have a whole community that's uh, watching there. And uh, as we're doing this, Facebook folks, you can uh, submit your prayer requests. We'll make sure to uh, get those uh, in place. You know, Brandy prays for those on Facebook live on Facebook Tuesday night, and then I pray through them on Thursday morning. And so if you have any prayer requests, anything specific that you'd like us to pray for, um, make sure you let us know, or you can fill out a card and drop it in the box, or you can type it in the Facebook chat, whatever you want to do. We'll make sure that we get those and pray for those. But let's go to God in prayer this morning. Lord, you are marvelous. Baffling at times because uh, you seem to operate in ways that don't compute with us as humans. Uh, you do some things that we don't quite understand. We're going to talk about those today, but we are grateful that you are who you are. And that you love us. That you know uh, more about us than um, we know even really about ourselves. Uh, and that's part of the baffling part, Lord, that you would care so much um, to be deeply involved, intimately involved in our lives. Not just as individuals, but as a community, as a congregation. And so we, we just want to bask in that mystery for a second as we gather into this place. As Christians all across the world are gathering this morning to worship Jesus Christ. Uh, and we're part of that greater community. We just want to thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing us. We confess, Lord, that uh, we have failed you this week. Uh, since the last time that we gathered together, we have done some stupid things. Uh, we have left some things undone that we needed to do. We have uh, failed you intentionally and unintentionally. And we, we just bring that this morning as we come to worship, just to, to lay that at, at the foot of the cross and plead your mercy. We are also grateful that part of who you are is a God who is forgiving and a God who uh, binds up the wounds that we do to ourselves, the ways in which we harm ourselves. Uh, not only do you forgive us, but you bind us up and heal us and free us. And you pat us on the butt and say, get back out there. The game ain't over. And so we're grateful for that, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the message that is shouted loud and clear from the cross. That the slate is clean. That you have reconciled yourself to us. And now you plead that we reconcile ourselves to you. That's the task before us. And so, Lord, we come this morning. We, we just want to be fully reconciled not only to you, but also to each other, that you have called us into this community that's both vertical and horizontal, that you long for um, uh, relationships that are whole and healthy. And so we know that we've got some work to do just amongst ourselves. We ask you to strengthen us for that. Lord, as people on Facebook are typing in their prayer requests, we also want to lift up um, names and situations that are heavy on our hearts this morning. And we, hear, we pray that you would hear each individual uh, request and, and the places where we don't even really know 
how to pray for them that you uh, do know <laughs> the best course of action in each and every case. And so we lift these names to you now, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we lift these to you. No doubt there are uh, prayer requests that have not been spoken out loud. We lift those to you as well. Part of being your children means uh, that you know our hearts. And so we know that you hear the unspoken requests. Take all of these, Lord, and do what you will with them. We trust your goodness. We trust your faithfulness. We trust your ability uh, to love us through and bless us in each and every situation. And now, as we continue to worship, Lord, uh, just help us to um, lay those burdens down for a second so that we can be totally present to you and that we can sense your presence in this place. Help us to be uh, united with one another, and may you be glorified in and through our uh, attempts, our feeble attempts, to show you what you mean to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite all the children to come forward. We have a very special children's time next, and I'm going to invite uh, a special guest up who is not a kid, but a kid at heart. She was one of my kids. She's one of my youth. Um, and we have a really fun example for you today. And so she agreed to come up and talk with us for children's time today. Come on up, guys. Yeah, you can sit down. You want to sit on a stool since you, you're a big kid? Okay, you can have a stool since you're a big kid. All right. Come on up, y'all. Okay, so I have a question for y'all. If I say we are going to go on an adventure, what does that make you think of? What does it make you think of? If someone says, hey, let's go on an adventure, what do you think of, Judah? Dragons, what do you think? Nature adventures, yeah, what do you think of? Crocodiles, what do you think of? Greek mythology adventures, a lot of them went on a lot of journeys, right? What else, Judah? Dinosaur fossils, very fun. What if I said we're going to go on a road trip? What does that make you think of? Disney World, what do you think of? Grand Canyons, what were you going to say? Splash Kingdom in Legoland. Man, I like your destinations. How about you? Austin. I love Austin. How about? Renaissance Festival. Yes. Okay, what else? 
listening to Blippi for four hours in the car ride there. Okay, so when we think of road trips, a lot of times we think about where we're going to end up at the end, right? But sometimes we got to travel a ways to get there, right? And what do you... Not about the destination, it's about the journey. That's exactly where we're going. So, I know, that's the whole sermon. Good job. We can all go home now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, what about on the road trip or on the vacation and you have to get in the car for a very long time and listen to Blippi for a very long time? What's that question that you ask your parents? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? Because we're, re we're ready to get there, right? But Alora and I went on a pretty fun youth trip several years ago, and it was called a mystery trip. And so what's special about a mystery trip, Alora? I have no idea where you're going. You have no idea where you're going. So I tell the youth when to get there and what to pack, and then they just have to show up and get in the church van, and they don't know if we're going to be driving for 20 minutes or 20 hours. They don't know if we're going to go somewhere really fun and stay in a five-star hotel, or if we're going to go somewhere really boring, and I'm going to make them sleep outside in a tent. They had no idea. They just had to show up and trust me. Isn't that crazy? Right. So what were some things that we did on that mystery trip, though? We went to, I, I, didn't we go to like a food truck convention? I'm trying to remember these in like chronological order. Um, yeah, I think, I think I got Thai food there and then um, it was really good. I didn't eat it all though. I felt really bad. Um, we got to try new adventurous things. There was this one time we were in like, uh, we were like driving and we were on the van except the, all the seats were filled. So I was sitting like on the yeah, bump of the thing. Without a seatbelt. Yeah, let's not tell on me on that part. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't know about it ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> but, but yes, a lot of adventures, and you didn't know where you were going from day to day. Lake, didn't we? Like, it was like really cold water, and there was like fish like in the water you could like hatch and stuff. Out at Austin, we went to some springs. We went to Enchanted Rock, and I made you climb a really big mountain. Um, I also made you wake up at 3 a.m. one day, and what did I do on that day? Um, hold on. This, hold on. I'm so sorry. Um, can you give me a hint? Oh yeah, no, that was actually so fun. We got to talk to um, a bunch of uh, homeless people. Um, we we served them, we fed them. I got to just go to the tables and just talk and talk. It was so much fun. I loved it. Because she's really good at talking. So this is that was her job was talking to people. But we made you wake up really early and serve people. Um, and the last day, I made you eat a three pound cinnamon roll for breakfast. Um, it was huge. It was like a cake. And then we went to Schlitterbahn afterwards. Probably not the best pre-planning on my part, but nobody got sick, so it was okay. Um, but yeah, so you didn't know where you were going from day to day. And the question I would get all the time is, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? And what would I tell you? You'll see when we get there, right? You'll see. Um, and today's adventure that we are talking about in our scripture is about Abram, who was called to go on an adventure, but he didn't know where he was going to go. He didn't know the destination. He just knew that he was supposed to go and follow God. And so he did. And he went on this fabulous adventure. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more. And you guys are going to talk about it in children's church too. Yes. Me and my sister, we took a surprise trip. And, and I, I, I took him my mom. And it was Disneyland. Tested it this whole time, and and she said it's not Disneyland, <laughs> but it was because I put I I packed I, I, I packed I packed it too much clothes. Hey, yeah. 
That's incredible. So, yeah, sometimes we don't know for sure what the destination is, but we can kind of guess where God's leading us. But we always know that it's going to be a good destination in the end, right? Our mystery trip, you didn't know where you were going, but you had fun, right? Yeah. Even though you didn't know the destination, it was the journey that was the main thing, right? All right, guys. Well, will you guys pray with me this morning? All right, let's pray. Will you pray after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking us on adventures. Help us to remember that it's all about the journey as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, you can either head back to your parents or you can come with me to Children's Church. Well, let's read about the beginning of this mystery trip that she was talking about. Now, before I read this, uh, I need to let you know, because we're skipping ahead a little bit, um, Genesis 1 through 11 uh, is kind of this big scope. If you, if you were watching a movie, you would imagine that the camera is very wide out and we get to see God make the whole world and everything in it. And then we see uh, all the people as they begin to spread around on the earth. That's 1 through 11. We're going to start in chapter 12 today. And if we were watching a movie, all of a sudden the camera comes down to this focused image on this one man and his family named Abram. And this is the beginning of the Hebrew story. The, the Hebrew people, this is where their story begins in chapter 12. So let's hear how this starts out, this grand adventure. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who, cur who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So I told you last week that uh, the God of the Hebrews uh, swears a lot. The God of the Hebrews is up to it again. In fact, I'm starting to think this God might have a swearing problem because 400 years after the flood, 400 years after Noah, 10 generations, this God is at it again. And this time he has chosen 
another man and his family, and he has sworn a series of promises to them. To Abram, who will later receive the name Abraham, he says this, I swear I will make your descendants into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name famous. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And I will bless all the families of the earth through you. How many times can blessing be said in a series of promises? It seems like another flood is probably on the way. But this time it's not going to be a flood of death and destruction. It is a flood of blessing. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you, Abram, and through your descendants. I was thinking about the two stories. Never really thought them sitting side by side, but because the narrative lectionary, which we are following, which is going to tell us the story of God and His people, uh, placed Noah and the flood right next to the call of Abram. I thought, well, how are these stories similar? They're similar in that God uh, meets one man and his family and makes a series of promises to them. But that's really kind of where the similarities end because if you remember last week, God approached Noah and gave Noah incredibly detailed instructions in how the flood would unfold. He said, I want you to build a boat and I want you to use this type of wood and I want you to make it to these dimensions and I want you to put these uh, many windows and doors in it and I want you to take pitch and I want you to cover the inside and the outside so that it will float and after you make all this with these amount of decks then I want you to go out and grab these specific animals and fill the ark with that and then I want you to get this specific food so that you and the animals can live and this is how the flood was, would unfold and this is what you can expect. This week God approaches Abram and are you ready for the instructions? He says, go. That's it. Go. Nothing else is said. Nothing else. Go and I will guide you as this flood of blessing unfolds. Go. They talk about operating on a need-to-know basis. Abram is operating on a need-to-know basis. Go. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt like, boy, God, I could use some more direction here. Like I really could, you could tell me a little bit more about how the future is going to unfold. I mean, how can I uh, plan accordingly if I don't know what the plan is or what's around the corner? And I thought, well, maybe that's the point. Because perhaps if God had given Abram uh, so much detail like he did Noah, maybe Abram would have said no to the journey. Maybe he would have said, ah, that sounds too complicated. Maybe you should approach Mike Hodson. Mike will go because I don't want to go, right? Or maybe even worse, perhaps if God had given all the instruction to Abram or if God would give us all the instruction and details up front, then we would go, great plan and I know how I can contribute to that because I got some great ideas God so I'm going to help you with this that might just be worse than saying no you know when the future isn't clear as I think 
probably everybody in this room can attest the future is rarely clear. Uh, when it's not clear, I wonder if at some point you just have to trust that your life is being guided by something greater than yourself. And that what you have to do in this moment is just take the first step. Just go and trust that God will course correct along the way. I love how Psalm 139.5, whoever the psalmist is, it might be David, but he says, you hem me in, Lord. And when I read that so many years ago, I thought the image in my head was like a sheepfold. Like David saying, hem me in, Lord, corral me, get me into this space where I can't wander off in the wrong directions. Corral me, hem me in. But I came across this translation that I really thought was great. It was called the Passion Translation. It says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand upon me. And I thought, man, that's even better. Because that's an image of our God. Only God can be in front of you, preparing the way wherever it is you're heading, and simultaneously be behind you to spare you from the mistakes and the stupid things that you do. Only God could do that and be in both places at one time. Go. This is what God says to Abram. Go. And this is exactly what Abram does. We have to assume, this is, this is crazy here. This is the first conversation that God has had with Abram. There, there's no indication that Abram knew who the Lord was, had ever heard the voice of the Lord before. All of a sudden there's this voice that says, go, and Abram goes. He steps out in blind faith. Now, which way do you go? Do, do you go north? Do you go south? Do you go east, west? God says, it doesn't matter, go. Go and I'll take care of the rest. So he heads south. Heads into the land of Canaan. Now guess who the Canaanites are? They're the sons of Ham. Remember Noah had three children, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. These are Abram's cousins through Ham. They have populated this area. And so he enters into their land. And he keeps on walking. And he's walking and walking and walking until he sees an oak tree. We're, we're told that it's called the Oak of Mora. And I had to look that up because I didn't know what that meant, Mora. It means teacher, instructor. It's the Oak of Teaching, the Oak of Instruction. Now, some scholars think that maybe this tree was well known uh, for a place that you go to get instruction. Maybe Canaanite assemblies gathered there and, and uh, counseled on how they would proceed with certain things. Or maybe... Maybe sages would sit under the tree, you know, really wise people, and as travelers would go by, they would give them nuggets of information or truth. Or maybe there were prophets that would sit there, and you could go and receive a a divine word from the gods if you stopped at this tree. Whatever it was, Abram saw this tree and said, well, that's as good a place as any to stop. And so he did. And guess what happened? He heard from the Lord again. Now, the Lord adds to the promise, doesn't really clarify anything on how this plan is going to unfold, but adds to the promise. He adds another promise. I will give this land to your descendants. Look around, Abram. Look all around you as far as you can see. I will give this land to your descendants. And so Abram moves again, packs up his tent, heads further south. 
We're told he stops near Bethel, a little bit further south. This time he calls out to the Lord, Yahweh, are you here? Am I in the right place? Is this where I'm supposed to be? And it's utterly silent. No word from God this time. No further instruction. We were talking about this particular bit of the passage on Thursday night. We meet at Pint and Barrow and we kind of go over the scriptures and talk about this stuff. And, and Susan Calhoun, you all know Susan, uh, she spoke up and she said, man, that sounds just like a kid on a trip that says, are we there yet, Dad? And I was like, yeah, i got to change my sermon title. That's exactly what it's like because you get the sense that Abram, he's kind of like a kid. He's like steps out and he's going on this journey and he, and he stops at the tree and is this the place? Is this where I'm supposed to go? And, he, and we're not there yet, son. Keep going. He keeps going and ends up at Bethel. Is this his dad? Is this where we're going? Are we there yet? No words from God. No further instruction. Maybe God's getting tired of answering, are we there yet? No, son, we're not there yet. Keep on moving. But eventually, Abram kind of falls into this rhythm of nomadic life. In fact, verse 9 says that he journeyed on by stages, which tells me that this became kind of his process. Stopping and starting, stopping and listening, pitching a tent, packing it up and moving again, calling on the name of the Lord, listening for an answer. Sometimes trees of instruction were a good place to stop. Sometimes a famine in the land said it's time to move on to the next area. But move and move and move he did. Never really getting to the place. And maybe he eventually stopped asking, are we there yet? Because this was never really about Abram's ability to navigate the land. There's nothing special about Abram in this. This wasn't even really about arriving at some magic destination. I think this is about God approaching one man and his family and saying, I want you to get to know who I am, what kind of a God I am, and how I operate. I want you to learn how to hear my voice. I want you to trust me at every single turn. This is not about getting somewhere. It is about the journey itself. And I wonder if we know this God. Do we know this God that Abram encounters at 75 years old? And if you think you're too old for God to call upon you and do something new in your life, you're wrong. Abram was 75 years old. Brand new adventure. But the God that we meet in this story, the God that we meet in this story is doing all the heavy lifting. Right? God says, I will bless. I will make. I will give. This I swear. To Abram, he says, go. I will do the rest. I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. The God that we meet in this story will not be rushed or forced to give much detail in how this is supposed to work out. How it will all pan out in the end. 
But the God that we meet in this story absolutely does ask Abram and perhaps us too, if we claim this God is our own, asks us to take a leap of faith at times. Even though the road is going to be filled, as we, if we could read the rest of Abram's story, we would see. We're, we, we won't have time to do that because we've got a, we, we've got a lot of history we've got to cover. But if you followed Abraham's story, you would see there are moments in the valley, there are moments on the mountains, there are dark times, there are perilous times, times of incredible a miracle and light. This is the journey that God asks him to go on and perhaps is asking us to go on a time or two. I mean, we're only two Sundays into this narrative lectionary thing. We're only two Sundays in, but I hope that you are already seeing something here. I, I, I hope that you can see, and this is incredible, that the quick solution of flooding the earth to cleanse the wickedness of the human heart. You remember Noah and the flood. The human heart is evil. The quick solution of flooding the earth is now giving way to a slow, methodical, mysterious plan of changing the human heart through blessing. What the heck kind of plan is that? What kind of God makes the human heart and the human experience whole through blessing rather than punishment and destruction and whatever else? A God who is incredibly patient with humanity and desires to bless all the families of the earth. What kind of a God does that? Do we know this God? It's really interesting because Abraham never got to see the fulfillment of these promises. This panned out thousands of years later. Abraham did not get to see it. But the scriptures tell us that he trusted God's ability to do it and God's faithfulness to carry it out. And we are told that by this trust, he became in right relationship with God. We call that righteousness. He was credited with righteousness simply because he trusted. And this is where we get the idea of salvation, folks. This is it right here from this moment. Because Paul said, Abraham believed, and that brought him into right relationship. So too, we who believe and believe here does not mean having the right knowledge or being able to say the right things or quote the creeds or whatever it is that you think you have to like mentally work up in your head. This is simply about trust. Can you trust that God is willing and faithful to save us and bless us right here and now and also beyond the grave? You don't have to understand how that all works. Abraham didn't. You simply have to trust. And if you can trust, you're brought into right relationship with God. Crazy. Crazy. Now, luckily, we're not going to have to wait thousands of years to see how this unfolds because we have the Cliff Notes version. It's called the Bible. We're going to read the Cliff Notes version. And we're going to get to the end of the story. And we're going to see 
just exactly how God blesses all the families of the earth through one man and his family. But in the meantime, I believe that God is asking us to trust and go. And maybe there's no further instruction than that. Go. Brothers and sisters, are we there yet? Let's pray. God, I don't understand uh, your plans at times. I, I don't understand the methods by which you operate at times. But I do believe that the God that we meet in this story in particular, and as we will continue to get to know as we go through this, is you, the creator of all things, the God that Jesus Christ points us to, the God that we come to know fully through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And even though I may not understand uh, how it's all supposed to work out or even how my life or the life of this church is supposed to unfold even a week from now, you're not asking us to understand that. You just simply want us to trust that you've got our backs. And that sounds easy at times, but boy, it's so hard, God, for us to take that first step to just go, particularly when we just don't even really know where we're going. But we long to have a heart that trusts you. And so we pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts, to uh, bring them into uh, conformity with your will. Help us trust so that we can be in full and right relationship with you. I thank you for this story. Uh, I thank you for being so concerned with us and so patient with us that you are willing to um, lead us day by day, moment by moment, uh, so that we can be blessed and that so we can bless the world through that. Forgive us when we ask, are we there yet? We may do that from time to time. And just remind us that it's about the journey and the things that you're showing us and teaching us about yourself along the way. May this all be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, uh, grab the hand of the person next to you. I'm going to say a blessing over you, but I wanted to give a quick shout out. The band, thank you all. But Navi filling in today. Chris is out. Thank you, Navi. David back on the board filling in today. Joe, we had a lot of people out today. Joe filling in on the camera, so thank you all. For being here and uh, gracing us with your gifts and talents. Can I say what a wonderful job Navi did on the piano? Yeah, yeah. she did a wonderful job. Thank you, Navi. Yeah, wonderful. Hey, I, I hope you all have a wonderful day today. And I, and I hope that, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think I said anything great, but I hope that this just kind of floats around in your brain today and you think about this this week. So with that, will the grace, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You are completely forgiven and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. No doubt you're going to make some mistakes because we all do. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there is nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. 
Because God's love is not based on your performance. God's love is rooted in His amazing grace. And it is by that grace that He looks at each and every one of you and says, Wow, you are the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what tomorrow might look like if you left here believing it? Might just be a brand new beginning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.